this Trinity Sunday morning. Is God your friend? Our text this morning is John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that you would open your word to us by the power of the Spirit that we might understand it and that we might do it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was about 13 years old, I had a group of close friends. We were tight as a knot. One day, we were goofing around and causing problems, and we threw a snowball at a car. The wrong car. Unbeknownst to us, it was filled with gangsters. The car screeched to a halt, and a bunch of men got out. We ran to my friend's house and locked the door as more and more men arrived and surrounded the house. We thought, we're going to die, but at least we're surrounded by friends. Well, the gangsters left, and we lived, but maybe you're wondering what happened to those friends. Well, we moved away. One died. Another became a weird hippie. And none of us kept in much contact with each other. This morning, we'll look at the friendship we have with the Divine Trinity, and in particular, our relationship with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, our great friend. Our great friend. Go and open your Bibles. In John 16, we're going to begin at verse 12. John 16 in verse 12. Now this is Jesus speaking here. And he says here in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now the context here is the Last Supper. Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going away. He's been telling them some variation of this, ever more detail all through his ministry. He has to go to Jerusalem. He tells them that he needs to die and that on the third day he will rise again. And now Jesus begins talking about going away. Jesus, after his resurrection, needs to go away. But they don't understand these things. They're arguing with each other this night. They're fighting over who should have the prime position in the coming kingdom. And yet Jesus is trying to tell them something important, that it's important for him to go away. Now going back to verses 1 through 4 in the same chapter of John 16, Jesus says, I have said all these things to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. They need to be prepared. Soon Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's going to die. He will resurrect. And when he does, these things will make sense. And when the Spirit's poured out, their eyes will be opened. They will pick up the ministry of Jesus when he leaves. And then they will be treated just like Jesus. Some will listen and love and come into the kingdom. But many will oppose and even put them to death. They need to hear these words. Going on to the first part of verse 13. Jesus continues, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Jesus must die. Jesus must resurrect. And Jesus must ascend. You know, the timing on this is fascinating. Do you know that Jesus ascended 40 days after the resurrection? 40 days, right? We're told in the scripture that Jesus came and went among his apostles for 40 days he came and went upon the earth. He came and spoke to them. He came and encouraged them. He breathed the spirit on them. 
He fed them and he ate with them for 40 days, and then it was time to go. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 19, it says, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. It is important for Jesus to go to the right hand of the Father. Now, as the divine second person of the triune God, Jesus was always at the right hand of the Father. The thing that changed was when Jesus became a man. 100% man, 100% God. It's important that the man Christ Jesus ascend to the right hand of the Father and then begin to reign and rule over the cosmos. And because of that, the spirit needs to come. The spirit of truth. In verse 7 and 8 of John 16, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, Jesus is God, but Jesus is also 100% man. The man Christ Jesus, a man whose like you will be on the last day glorified, is reigning and ruling over the cosmos, is sitting at the command center of the entire universe. He can't be all places at all times. When Jesus was walking in his ministry upon the earth, he was not in all places at all times. But Jesus will be brought to the nations at all places and all times by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The man Christ Jesus in his ministry needs to be brought to the world and through the apostles' ministry and through the church that will come through that ministry. So Jesus must go away and the Spirit needs to come. He, the Holy Spirit, came 50 days after the Passover. Now remember, Jesus was crucified on the Passover. He was in the tomb for three days and then he rose from the dead. He walked the earth for 40 days after that. So where are we at at that point in time? We've got 43 days, right? Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father at the end of those 43 days. And guess what happens after seven days? Pentecost, right? Pentate 50, Pentecost. 50 days after the Passover was the Feast of First Fruits or the Feast of Pentecost. So we've got these symbolic, important numbers being fulfilled. Jesus fulfills the great threes of the Old Testament by rising from the dead on the third day. 40 as he walks the earth, is a generation. And so Jesus has a generation of people that are in between the old covenant and the new. And then you've got seven days from the ascension of Christ, and then the Spirit is poured out. Kids, does anybody know what seven stands for in the Bible? What is it? Anybody? It's a number of completion, right? Yeah. So when you see sevens, what do you see? You see just like a week. You got the first day of the week and the last day of the week comes. Something old comes to an end. Something new breaks in. Something old comes to an end. Something new breaks in. Jesus goes to the right hand of the Father. And after seven days of ascending, the Spirit's poured out. The kingdom breaks in with power. The church is established. The new Israel has arrived. Going on to the second part of verse 13 of John 16. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you things that are to come. Now, friends, we recite the Nicene Creed every Sunday morning. I think it's important to recite the Creed. It's not that the Creed is Scripture, but I believe that the Creed summarizes Scripture, and the church has recognized this down through the centuries. And one reason why I think it's important is because millions and millions and billions of Christians each Sunday with us 
recite together a creed that sets up in a triune formula to instruct us and remind us of our triune God. The Nicene Creed, which we just recited, says, And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified. Now, this Trinity Sunday morning, I'm seeking to focus on the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. And the creed reminds us of who he is. Now, you may notice in our creed, we have something different that the Eastern churches don't have. The Orthodox put this proceeded from the Father, but not the Son. And so the church split over this in the 11th century. But I think it's pretty clear from the scripture that the Spirit... The person, the third person of the Holy Trinity proceeds forth from the Father and the Son. In John 15, verse 26, it says, But when the Helper comes, that's the Holy Spirit. When the Helper comes, whom I, I will send to you, says Jesus from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Furthermore, the Spirit is the third person of the triune God. He is not some ether that floats around. He's not some immaterial mass without personality. He is the third person of the triune God. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, for example, when the angel comes and speaks to Mary, he says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There is one God, three persons, but one will. One God, three persons, one will. Friends, the Trinity is a line in the sand between orthodoxy and heresy. And why is this so? Because it's mysterious. One God, three persons. I think we have a hard time wrapping our minds around this. And so we can't wrap our mind around these types of things. In our human nature, we need to control them. We want to captivate them. We want to understand them with our human minds. And so in order to do that, we need to modify them, but that's not who we are as Christians, friends. We stand under the Word of God. The Word of God informs us, not the other way around. So we have Mormonism, and Mormonism, Mormons will tell you, I believe in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But they also tell you that if a man's good enough, he can go become Jesus on his own planet. And so now you have multiple trinities. Wrong. Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus is a created being. He's actually the Archangel Michael. Wrong! Oneness Pentecostals believe in what we call modalism or monarchialism. That is, the members of the Trinity can only be that one member at any point in time. And so the Father's only the Father at one point in time. And then he becomes the Son, and he's no longer the Father or the Spirit. And then he becomes the Spirit and is no longer the Father or the Son. Wrong! And then we have liberal Christianity, which then changes the members of the Trinity. So rather than Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have something like the parent, the child, and the nurturer, and all of these are wrong. Friends, our job as Christians, and we live in a challenging and increasingly challenging age, is to stand under the Word of God and under the authority of the triune God. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Verse 14, Jesus continues concerning the Spirit. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. They were recipients of the things of God by the Holy Spirit of God. You, friends, are recipients of the things of God by the Holy Spirit of God. 
We do not participate in the substance of the Trinity, but we are brought into relationship with the triune God through our bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is our great and ever-present friend. Now think about that, friends. These three persons, they relate to us in some ways, in different ways, and yet they have one will. The Father sits on high. The Old Testament saints understood that. It boggled their minds when the Son came and provided the sacrifice and brought us into relationship with the Godhead. He went and died for our sins to save the world and resurrected from the dead. But then there's the Spirit. And some people have spoken of the Spirit as the quiet member of the triune God. We oftentimes forget about Him. And it's a Him. It's a person. We oftentimes forget about the Spirit. But think about the Spirit and His love for us. From the day of Pentecost forth, the Spirit was poured out upon the people of God. The Spirit is moving through the world, through the people of God. It's the Spirit who moves ahead and opens people's hearts and minds to accept the gospel. It's the Spirit that unites us to one another and unites us to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit that's poured out upon you and into your heart. The Spirit of God, He is with you day by day. He is your friend. And friends, how do we treat our great friend? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, the Apostle Paul says this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In the Greek, kai me luthete is actually a second person, plural imperative. So literally, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. And you all, you all must not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You must not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Sealed in the Spirit. Kids, you're sealed in the Spirit of God. Friends, you have the Spirit of God sealing you for the day of salvation. In your heart, walking with you, showing you the right way to go. Do not grieve the Spirit of God. How can we grieve the Spirit of God? Well, there's some little things that we might not think about much. We treat the church, the body of Christ, with dishonor. When we decide, eh, I don't think I'm going to go to church this morning. Let me tell you something, the Spirit's grieved. The Spirit's here moving amongst us. The Spirit's bringing the Word of God to us. The Spirit's uniting us together in love. The Spirit is giving us the sacraments and bringing them alive to us. And we say, well, maybe not today. When you miss church or even come late, the Spirit's moving amongst us here. And we say, well, we'll get there whenever we decide to get there. When you look at pornography, the Spirit of God is with you and He is grieved by your sin. When we sin, the Spirit of God walks with us. And kids, listen up. When you disobey your parents, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. For it's the Spirit of God that moved on the men and women of old to speak forth the Scriptures. And the law comes to us and it says, honor your father and mother. And when you argue with your parents and you don't do what they tell you to do, you grieve your friend, the Holy Spirit of God. Let us not be those who grieve our great friend, the Spirit. Now going back to John 16 and verse 15, Jesus continues, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Isn't that awesome? All that the Father has is mine. And I give it and the Spirit takes it to you. He declares these things to you. 
these mysteries, these wonders that the world doesn't understand. And angels long, long, to, long, long to look into. The Spirit declares to us as the people of God. No, all the Father has is the Son's. And the Spirit will take that, that which is the Son's, and declare it to the church. And that's why we've got our great charge, the great commission that we recite week by week when we're going through the proper seasons. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says, Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, literally, into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the great triune God, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So maybe you're saying, so what? What's the point of that? What's Trinity Sunday all about? Well, we serve a glorious God who is personal. We should model our relationships off of him. We believe in a God who is sacrificial. When you look at the members of the triune God, you see a sacrificial God. You see a loving God who seeks to glorify the other members of the triune God. If you look at the Godhead, you see the members of the Trinity always seeking the good and glorifying one another. The Father glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. The Spirit glorifies the Father and the Son. In fact, we've even got these mysterious statements in Hebrews chapter 1 where the Father himself says of the Son, Your throne, O God, will stand forever. We believe in a God who is sacrificial, self-giving, who seeks to glorify the other. And that should be who we are in the body of Christ. We are loved by a God who is complex and simple. Our lives are shaped by this reality. You know, friends, God shaped this world. And our relationships in this world are shaped off of who he is, not the other way around. Think about this for a minute. Marriage and family. You've got two people brought together in one relationship, one marriage bond. You've got a family of multiple persons brought together in one family. You've got us as the church, multiple people, even multitudes of people all over the world, but one body of Christ, one bride, and we've got communities in which we live. Multiple people brought together into one unit. And so we should think about our lives in this way and think about it through the lens of the triune God. I was looking at some old photos from when I was in the service. Pictures of guys whom I was friends with in very challenging and memorable circumstances. Being in the field for weeks without having a shower while undergoing a stressful unit evaluation. Going on leave and warning those friends to stay out of trouble and then having to bail some of them out. But I have not seen or talked to most of them since I got out of the Marines 31 years ago. Interestingly, the ones I have stayed in contact with are those who are Christians whose lives of faith have intersected with mine. Our friendships have been facilitated by our relationship to the triune God. In particular, the unity we experience through our great friend, the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. When you feel like you can't overcome the sin that seems to control you, you're right, you can't do it alone. But realize, you have a great friend in the Holy Spirit. When you feel alone and lonely, remember your great friend in the Holy Spirit who is always with you and puts you in the body of Christ, the family of God. When you look into the near future and are filled with anxiety and worry about what it holds, recognize that you have a great friend in the Holy Spirit who is just ahead of you, 
working all things for God's glory and for your good, and builds up your faith by causing you to trust God with the unknowns of your life. This Trinity Sunday morning, remember the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, our great friend. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you and we bless your holy name. We thank you for sending your son and for sending forth the Holy Spirit of God into our hearts and among us and uniting us to Christ and bringing us into relationship with you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We pray that you would encourage us in the power of the same spirit to go forth even this week and to bring others into the kingdom. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.